He is the mayor of Collingwood. We say good morning to Brian Saunderson. Always great to talk to you, Brian. Good morning, John. Good morning, Mel. Beautiful morning. I think we should kickstart this off uh, first with the fact that uh, John Eaton has gotten himself a parking ticket, John. (laughs) Yes, I did. And with that parking ticket, just so everyone is clear that he got a parking ticket, John Eaton's parking ticket can now be be brought to light in a positive way. Isn't that right, Brian? That's absolutely right, Mel. And from July 20th until Thanksgiving weekend, uh, parking tickets issued uh, in the downtown BIA, so along here on Ontario Street, uh, can be paid by showing receipt of a purchase uh, of a product or a service uh, within the downtown for an amount that's equal to or greater than the ticket amount. And the ticket must, or the receipt must be dated within five days of the issuance of the ticket. So if you get a ticket, you can go and purchase uh, a product or service within five days. And they will accept that as payment of your ticket. Well, so we're using, using that as a way to uh, encourage people to shop local. So if anybody knows of anything that his wife, uh, Julie LeBlanc, may <laughs> enjoy since it is her birthday today. Hey, i got to spend then, at least 20 bucks. Then make sure to, to hit up John because he needs to exchange this. <laughs> uh, now, is this going to cause, though, people to abuse the parking? Because in my case, I just got caught in a meeting that went longer. But could this just be like, hey, if I have to buy something anyway, I'm just not going to pay for parking? Well, we're relying on people to, right. uh, to be, uh, it's the honor system, but yeah. it's a great way to uh, encourage people to shop downtown. And uh, so this was uh, a suggestion from our bylaw enforcement staff. Well, while we're, uh, yeah. while we're talking about transportation, whether you're driving your car or taking transit, uh, that's something that you guys are it, uh, continuing a study. In fact, you've got some, some discussions about it today. That's exactly right, John. Uh, since January of this year, we've been reviewing our transit service to help improve uh, the service uh, by looking at expansion of routes and uh, ways that we can uh, make the service uh, more uh, responsive uh, in our service delivery. So the first wave of consultation has been held. Uh, staff, along with the consultant, have come up with three options. And uh, so they want feedback on those options. And... Um, the first uh, service uh, is today between July twenty or twenty. Sorry, between two and three p.m. And there's uh, a session tomorrow, uh, July twenty second, uh, between seven and eight p.m. And the link uh, will be posted uh, on the engagecollingwood.ca backslash transit study. Uh, and if you want more information, you can contact the tra- transit work study group, and the email is transitstudy at collingwood.ca. And we're hoping that people will get involved to uh, help make our transit service better in town. Absolutely. Now, I'm not sure what you can speak to in regards to this uh, when it comes to the Collingwood Judicial Inquiry and the report that uh, had came out by Justice Frank Morocco. Now, uh, there's, there. I'm sure some people are wanting accountability and wanting those involved to have direct accountability. And there's an update in regards to that. Yes, uh, on uh, June 24th, we received uh, a report back from uh, the lawyers at BLG about uh, potential options to pursue uh, individuals, and uh, we asked them to get some more information that came back to us on uh, Monday, this past Monday, and Council has voted uh, to uh, pursue a number of options uh, for holding those uh, prime actors in uh, in that uh, 
in those transactions, the sale of Collis, 50% interest in Collis and the purchase of the Sprung buildings. And Justice Morocco made many pointed findings about a process that was uh, uh, tainted by conflicts of interest and undue influence and manipulation uh, by certain uh, staff members and certain politicians, as well as members of the public. And uh, so we are going to, we've uh, instructed counselors, um, the lawyers, to pursue some of those options, as uh, that was discussed in camera. Uh, that's the most I can say at this point in time, but certainly more information will be coming out once those actions have been taken. A lot of discussion still about the development pause, the interim control bylaw, uh, but uh, recently uh, some exemptions were granted, actually quite a lot. Yes, they were, they were a lot of exemptions. So since we have uh, passed the uh, interim control bylaw on, in April uh, 26, uh, there was very there was a great deal of concern among developers uh, that uh, we were putting a chilling effect on development in town, and certainly we were hitting a pause because of the water capacity constraints. But we do have some interesting statistics, and uh, in uh, we got building permit issuances up to the end of June, June 30. Uh, for the years 2019, 2020, and and then of course this year, and right now we're we're in between those two years. We issued 364 building permits to the end of June uh, this year. Uh, we had issued uh, 490 in 2019 and 264 last year, so we're right on par. And those two years were really benchmark years. They were far ahead of the previous five years. So we uh, have continued to. Uh, to allow development, and so that sector is still continuing. Development is still continuing, and then during the time that the ICBL is in place, we can grant exemptions. And so on Monday night, we uh, the council approved uh, the construction of 316 single dwelling equivalent units. So those are called SDUs in terms of the water consumption. They aren't all single detached units, so they're more than 316. But that will take us, if you take us to the end of the year, it means that we will be about 50 to 75 building permits for the total year behind where we were in uh, 2019 and 2020. And in 2019, I think we issued 420 building permits for the year. In 2020, 437. So we will be at about 365 for this year. So that shows that uh, development was continuing. And the uh, hope is that while uh, um, we are... And doing our study, we will have the ICBL lifted uh, by the end of the year, early next year, and then people will be able to apply for building permits through the water for allocation framework. So we're making sure that development continues uh, and it's development that's needed, uh, but it's also within our, responsibly within our limits under our water capacity constraints. So the exemption process now is closed. There will be none until the, the ICBL is lifted? This wave is complete. I wouldn't say it's closed, but we will not be going through another trench of this many. Really what we were doing in this first trench was looking at uh, projects that were developments that were really building permit ready. They had no other planning processes to go through. Uh, so there may be isolated cases between now and the, when we lift the ICBL, but for the most part, this is the majority of the exemptions that we're going to issue. How much faith do you have in the fact that we can... Uh, uh, answer the issues that we have in terms of, of water services supplied uh, by the time that the, the 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 ICBL runs out oh I'm confident we can do that and I'm uh, and I'm 
and council are pushing staff to do everything we can to make sure that we have it off within the year. It's, it's not our intention. To, we are allowed to, under the statute to have the ICBL in place for a year, but we're going to do everything in our power to lift a, that before then. Mm. Uh, and then from that point on, it's, it's um, uh, really a question of uh, responsibly being a gatekeeper for the amount of uh, capacity that we have until the new plant opens in 2025. Uh, we have awarded the contract for the design of the new plant, and the first phase of that is to look at how we can retrofit uh, the existing plant for something like UV disinfection or look at an additional chlorine contact tank that will get rid of our summer-winter differential, which will also free up some capacity. And then as we get closer to uh, uh, constructing, getting the construction started for the new water treatment plant, uh, there is a safety factor that we've held back uh, and which will also open up some additional uh, capacity as we get a better understanding of when the new plant will be online. So there is ways for us to increase our capacity, and we're also in discussions with our neighbors that we share water with so that uh, we can make sure that we service the needs of our community first. bit of controversy with uh, the... Uh parking and, and sort of the exit uh, from Starbucks on First Street, and I understand there's quite a lot of discussion going on about that. There is a lot of discussion going on about that. The topic uh, came up at the Police Services Board meeting this past Monday, and uh, we had uh, Peggy Slama, Director Slama from uh, Public Works uh, in the meeting. Uh, there was There have been ongoing discussions with the town, the OPP, as well as the operator at Starbucks, and uh, we're working on ways to uh, to uh, resolve that because it is, it is a serious issue and it is impacting traffic flow and it poses a safety and, uh, um, risk as well, I think. Well, Mayor Brian Saunderson is the mayor of Collingwood. Brian, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here on Talk of the Town. It's always great to talk to both of you. Have a wonderful day. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.